Good morning, and welcome to week two of our series, Living with Hope in a Difficult World. Um, we started the series last week, and what we are doing is going through the book of First Peter, not necessarily uh, verse by verse, uh, but we are going to go through the entire uh, book. And last week, as we talked about this, we said that uh, this was written uh, uh, by Peter to encourage believers, and they were primarily Gentile believers that were living in modern-day Turkey. Uh, it's written to encourage them. Uh, they were suffering and facing a lot of hostility for their faith. So Peter writes to, to encourage them and to strengthen them in their faith because they were, they were going through a season of real difficulty in their lives. Uh, so Peter wrote this letter to encourage and strengthen them. And he, he started out by, as we talked about this last week, he started out by reminding them that the Father chose them and that they have a purpose. And it's a purpose for which they are qualified because he qualified them. He, he called them to this purpose uh, and that it was to share about his goodness and he qualified them to, uh, to do that. So, so Peter ba opens up by basically reminding them that they are valuable to God, uh, that they matter to him and that their lives have purpose. Then he encourages he, he turns to encouraging them by talking about the hope that they have in Christ. And that's what we are going to be talking about today. Of all people, of all people, believers have the most reason to be filled with hope, no matter what our circumstances are, whatever they are. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about reasons why we have this hope reasons for hope. And to begin with, uh, we as believers have reason to hope uh, simply because we have a sure future, uh, a sure future. Let's, let's pick up reading uh, where we left off last week in uh, 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 3. <coughs> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And I just want to stop for a minute. That is so central to everything about our faith, everything about our hope, everything about our relationship with Jesus. Everything is centered on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that sure event in history. So it says we've been, it is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see. Because of God's mercy, we've been born again into a new life. And it's ours because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The moment we put our faith in him and in his resurrection, our future is secured. It is certain. It is sure. And we live with great expectation because the resurrection changes everything. It changed everything. 
So we now have a living hope, as some translations say. That means our future is sure. Here's what we need to see and what we need to understand in this. As believers, no matter what struggles we face, no matter what opposition we run into, we are a people of hope. Christians need never to panic about anything. We are a people of hope. We have a living hope. Our future is sure. And we have an inheritance that is stored away for us that nothing can touch. It is pure. It is undefiled. It is beyond the reach of decay. Nothing can touch it. And Peter says it's priceless. And you want to know what it is? Because the Bible tells us what the inheritance is. It's not money. It's worth so much more than money. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, 5, Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. Our inheritance is not money. It's not property. It's not stock. It's not anything like that. It's the Lord himself. He gives us himself as, his, as our inheritance. The prophet Jeremiah said in Lamentations 3.24, I said to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Not politics, not policies, but him, the Lord himself. We have the Lord himself as our inheritance, and nothing can touch him, nothing can take him away. Our future with him is sure and secure, and he is protecting us until the day that we receive the fullness of our salvation. Because in a sense, we have been saved. In a sense, we are being saved. And in another sense, we will be saved. It's a continual, con continual state. It's not saying here, though, that, that he keeps us from all trouble or sorrow, but rather that he will help us conquer the trouble. And the word he uses there is a military word. You see, troubles will come. Every one of us experiences trouble. Every single person, whether they're a believer or not, trouble comes into their life. And and. It's, it's not saying that they won't. It's saying that he enables us and he empowers us to conquer whatever comes our way, no matter what we're facing. So we don't ever have to be discouraged and fearful or worried. We can live in confidence and we have reason to live in hope because we have a sure future. Another reason has to do with Today, where we are right now in the present, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our difficulties, in our hardships, our present sufferings serve to refine us. That's the second thing. Our present sufferings serve to refine us. In, in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 6 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. Trials are a part of life. There's no escaping them. They may last for a while, but they won't last forever. The NIV uses the word brief to describe them, our brief and momentary trials. 
And there's a dual emphasis here in the Greek that, that, that Peter is talking about. There's a dual emphasis. The first of all, there's an emphasis on the brief nature of the trials. They're not going to last forever, and they're not going to go on forever. They, they have an end point. They, they, uh, they do have an ending. They, they are, are brief in nature in comparison of the big picture. And then there's also an emphasis on the necessity of our trials. Now, that's something that we don't really like to talk about. But trials are necessary because of the faith and character that they produce in us. You see, the process of of hardening steel. You ever see a uh, like on a padlock or something in the little loop there, it says, you know, hardened steel. The process of hardening steel, uh, um, uh, uh, what's the word I want, uh, includes subjecting it to intense heat. And the heat burns away impurities and hardens the steel, and as a result, it becomes much stronger than it was before exponentially stronger than than what it was before and that's what happens to our faith when we go through times of trial and times of suffering you know if you look at the history historically the church has always been its strongest during times of persecution times of suffering it's always served to to strengthen the church and that's when the church is at its best and at its strongest point times of trial and suffering, times of persecution. You see, that which the enemy throws at the church to try and destroy it, God uses to purify and strengthen. Doesn't mean he causes it, but he uses it. That which the enemy throws at the church to try to destroy it, God uses to purify and and strengthen it. So when trials and struggles come our way, we can complain about them, we can try to deny them, we can, you know, feel bad about them or resist them, or we can face them head on in faith and conquer them. When we do that, Peter says it shows the genuine nature of our faith. There's nothing like enduring suffering and hardship and trials to demonstrate that the faith that you proclaim with your mouth is the real deal. Anyone can say they have faith, but it's proven when they go through the fire and come out with their faith, their character, their integrity, their witness intact. The struggles we go through serve to purify us of, our un, uh, uh, of unnecessary clutter and the weeds in our lives. And they help us to focus on what really matters. They help to clarify what really matters. And that's exactly what Peter was saying when he says in verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Gold is temporary. Money is temporary. Faith, however, is worth so much more. It lasts beyond this present world. This world and everything in it is going to perish, and a new creation is coming. 
Verse 7 continues, So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So don't worry about your present struggles and suffering. Yes, they're real. Yes, they are painful. Yes, they make life difficult. But they will not last forever. And a day is coming that is so wonderful that it will blot every remembrance of suffering from your memory. And Peter tells us that when your faith remains strong through many trials, you will openly share in the praise, glory, and honor of God on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. What Peter is saying is this, no matter what the nature or intensity of the struggle you're in right now, no matter how long you have suffered, lift up your head and be encouraged. Jesus is going to return. And when he does, everything you've suffered through will be worth it. Everything will be made right and everything will be worth it. You don't see it now, but one day you will see that it's all been worth it. Every struggle, every fiery trial, every tear you've ever shed, it will all be worth it. And the third thing, third reason we have hope is that what formerly was hidden has now been revealed to us. What was formerly hidden has now been revealed to us. Let's just read the rest of the passage. And as we do, I want you to try to see if you can sense the excitement that's building in Peter's heart as he writes this. Uh, and remember, he's writing to, to primarily Gentile believers who are going through severe testing and trial and struggles. And he says, starting in verse 8, You love him, even though of you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They, oh, lost it. <laughs> they wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So far in everything that we've read, there is nothing but reason to hope. Their struggles our struggles pale in comparison to the reasons that they had and that we have for hope. The same thing is true for us today. We're surrounded by struggles of every kind. It would be easy to become depressed and discouraged and in despair. But we have so much cause for hope. We can face our present struggles full of hope. 
It just depends on where our faith is. Is it in the circumstances that are crowding in on us and shouting in our ears, or is it in the Lord that's tugging at our heart? And which one are we going to listen to? Jesus should never have to convince us of his ability to take us through any circumstance. His resurrection proves that ability. His resurrection proves that he can do anything. The fact is the Lord has infinite power to carry us through any struggle that we could ever face. So instead of bemoaning our difficulty, let's realize we have a future that is sure. And our struggles don't have to tear us down. Instead, they can build us up. They can, they, they can strengthen us. And the angels themselves are eagerly watching as we go through this time to see us grow stronger as we do. So let's move forward with confidence and with hope in facing whatever comes our way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you've given us, for all the reasons of hope. Lord, through your resurrection from the dead, you've proved that nothing is impossible for you. You've proved that as your followers, we have no reason for anything but hope. So help us to always walk in the hope you give and not to surrender to the depression, the discouragement, or despair that the enemy would try to put on us. Lord, you made us a people of hope. Help us now to live that out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now I want to give you a benediction. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Let's close with one more song of worship.